the, is it morning yet, deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Grab the perfect get-up-and-go breakfast for you and your crew. Right now, two soft and fluffy, fully loaded sausage burritos are just three bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with combo meal. Ladies and gentlemen, I welcome you, 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 to the Rumpel Redemption Tour. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about. Well, let's just make it clear: this episode is designed to redeem Rumpel, kill off Neil. And make me hate everything about life. I am Beth Elderkin. I'm joined as always by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are you doing? You ready to join on tour? I'm ready. Although all I hear is them yelling Rumple the same way they used to yell Jerry in the Jerry Seinfeld. Or not Jerry Seinfeld, Jerry Springer. Rumple, Rumple, Rumple. Like. This is season three, episode 15, Quiet Minds. An episode that had a really cool albeit special effects not so cool-ish um get like it had a really cool like little storyline in there about what had happened to neil and rumble i thought the explanation was great pretty much everything else in this episode made me want to die yeah yeah uh i i like this um kind of like it's just one of those there I have some I have some nitpicks. I do I I'm disappointed that we've killed off Neil. I know we talked about that in the last episode. Uh because I mean I, and and I sent you this screenshot because I went looking for it, but uh back in 2014 you spoiled Neil's death for me on Twitter. Uh cuz I had No, it's fine, but that's by the way how you found out that I watched Once Upon a Time and history was made. So frankly, it all worked out. Neil's uh, death was a good thing. Neil's death was a good thing, and it has only brought positivity to our world. Um, but this episode, that I love the CG for this effect because it really just—it was oh, hard not to yeah. to giggle because <laughs> they they froze on it at one point, and it's like this is my sleep paralysis demon. Like that had that vibe <laughs> to it. <laughs> yeah, this was like. If Buffy the Vampire Slayer had existed when CGI had first started out, so instead of using practical practical makeup for all the villains, they had done this. Oh, this, yeah, this had a, like, if they wanted to just be like, how do we uncanny valley to real people? And it was, it was wild. But yeah, you're right. I like this. 
his little speech, we'll get into it. I'm not sure the his death throes speech uh, hit where I wanted it to. Uh, but, like, Emma obviously is always great when she needs to... Uh, Jennifer Morrison looks great when she's got a single tear rolling down her cheek. Very Demi more of her. Uh, but, yeah. The, this was an episode that I liked a lot less the second time I watched it. Because I watched this one twice. Because, um, because there were those elements that I enjoyed. The second time I watched it and knew what the twist was. Because I had completely forgotten this whole plot point. Uh, I was able to kind of focus on the rest of the episode, and the rest of the episode really falls flat. Um, so we have a couple of f- fabulous international titles for this one. Yes. Um, in uh, in Hungarian, we have two in one, which I thought was fun. That's uh, a spoiler French, about it, though. It's an interesting way to is, ruin it. <laughs> yes. Uh, in French, we have a life for a life. Okay. Yeah. Ruining it Just some go- more. Going uh, exactly. On a theme. We're on a theme. German hitting it out of the park. Abby, I don't know if you're ready for this one. This one's really good. Braced. Where there is lumiere, there is also shadow. Dude. Who is writing the German titles? Who is writing the German titles? That's amazing. Uh, If someone is able to find this out, if we have any German audience members, anyone from from the country has family there, who can find out for us who is doing the German titles for Once Upon a Time, I will put them on this podcast. I will find a translator. I'll try to. I speak very barely any German, but I'm sure I'll figure it out. Yes, that's fantastic. That's, That's such a... I like that. I'm going to marinate with that for a second. The, if I just that's start... a title that describes the thing better than the thing actually is. Because, dear God, the Lumiere part. Oh, the more. Abby, the, the first time I saw it, my first reaction was, I cannot wait for Abby to see this. I, I, I stood up. Like, I was, I was sitting down and then it was like, I'm Lumiere. I've lived in this home. And I stood fully out of my chair. I was like, what? And then he just kept talking. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the most egregious part. It just kept going. And I'm like, this this should not have been as much as it is. Anyway, we'll get there. We'll get there because I also have about 15 minutes to talk about how we reveal the plot point because Robin is handing Regina whiskey like a sociopath. Who, who hands anyone alcohol that way? Palm up like a lunatic. What's this? I don't, it was also like 14 fingers worth. I know, just listen, he he's like, here, just take a take a swig of this. He was he knew what he wanted. <laughs> they had it, they it, had tension <laughs> from the start. Right. It'll put hair on your lion's tattoo. One hundred percent. Just a full mane just burst out like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna go ahead and talk a little bit about Regina. Um, and Robin, because Regina largely spends, you know, time by herself in this episode, and she decides to head back to the barn house because they do not have a clue. They are at Granny's, and they're like, all right, what are we going to do next? Granny's like, you guys have five minutes, or else Leroy's going to come barging down and eat my whole stock, and I have to let that happen. They talk about Leroy so much in this episode, and he's not in it. He never shows. Like, he's going to come eat bacon, then go fishing with Henry later. Um, but the reason that they have to hurry is because she cannot prevent Leroy from bursting through those doors to get his daily bacon at like 720 or something. I don't remember. Or 730. To me, the idea of of 
of Grumpy being a full Karen because, frankly, that goes along with his Grumpy name of just being shown, where's my bacon? Ah, like, got his phone out. I'm recording this. You have to give me bacon. It's it's a law. I'm a customer. It's a public place. It tracks. I just, I found it really funny because, like, there are no other characters, even main characters, who are missing from episodes who get talked about as much as Leroy does in this episode that he is not in. I love it. I like, love it. Someone, someone, the writer missed him. The writer was like, shit, I don't get to write Leroy. Well, ever, it's like uh, Poochie. <laughs> Whenever, whenever, it's like, whenever Leroy's not on the scene, somebody has to ask, where's Leroy? I, why isn't he telling, why isn't he screaming about a curse being here? I like the idea that there's just like missing scenes of Leroy that we just also don't get. Like he was supposed to be in the episode. There was an extended fishing scene or Mysterious Lumiere is actually in Storybrooke and like Leroy's the one that finds him. Like just a lot of weirdness. But yes, a lot of Leroy talk. Leroy likes his bacon. So they have to have this like weird like debrief. They're all like super yes. panicked, debriefed in the uh, in Granny's. Yeah, and they and they're you know they gotta hurry up because Zelina, the totally not suspicious midwife, is showing up to help take care of the baby in like five minutes. So you know they gotta speed things up. Regina says, "You know what? Y'all are stupid. You don't have good plans. I'm gonna go back to the farmhouse see if I can spot something there. Um, you guys go look for Rumple, who's running around in the woods somewhere because that's the whole thing is that they found out Rumple's alive and they need to." <laughs> keep forgetting things in this episode the whole point of it is rumple and of course because everything's about freaking rumple so they all go regina goes to the farmhouse she is snooping around she hears some rustling in the barn and she's just like come out with your hands up he comes out with a crossbow and fires it straight into her face and she catches it like a boss uh she it it was all like i learned this from peter pan kind of situation because catching arrows it's just how she rolls it apparently uh, yeah, catches mm-hmm. catches the arrow, and this is the part where we find out that they don't know each other. They've forgotten each other because front of the uh, because of the curse, and so this is their alternate uh, meet cute. It's a little bit better than their first time meeting. It is a lot better. This one was very good. I was I thought this was great. I loved that moment when Robin is like. She's like, have we met before? No, no, you haven't. Unless, you know, that whole year that we can't remember. But who's counting? Like, he was he was just, he was feeling it. He was feeling her. They were just vibing. And I was vibing with their vibes. I, I think it definitely has a, uh, a snow and charming finding each other situation that, uh, like, we haven't, ta- we haven't seen it in the past yet. But I- I'm going to... And I don't even remember, but I'm just going to guess in the past, they've already climbed this hill. She's already learned that he's the man with the lion tattoo um, and smooched on him or something because they just have a draw to each other that they did not have when they they landed in the Enchanted Forest uh, a year prior. Yeah, but it it just kind of makes me wonder if we even needed the lion tattoo thing at all, because they they clearly have a chemistry. It doesn't need to be engineered through the plot. I agree, but I also do kind of like the idea that, like, we don't have to stumble through Regina not trusting her feelings because she's kind of vibing with it, too. And then when she sees that, I mean, that's a very, you know, this is it. This is the guy. That's a terrifying thing to be faced with because she couldn't face it with Tink either. Like, she straight up ran away. She didn't want to face it. 
Uh, but I said this when we did the Tinkerbell episode, just because he's your true love don't doesn't mean you're supposed to meet at this moment. You can't just shove two people together and be like, you're soulmates. They were supposed to meet organically in life. Um, Which so they're that, doing right now. And they have the an indescribable chemistry that I wish we would have spent more time on before the, the lion tattoo was revealed because... They were just, it was like they were already drinking before it even happened. They were all just very close to each other. Aren't you the evil queen? Well, aren't you the thief? Well, it worked out for me and it worked out for me too. Mm, interesting. Quite the team we make. <laughs> I'm going to come with you. Not because I want to, but because I have to. Ooh, okay. Like, it's just. And then she's like, energy? yeah, well, I guess you can tag along, but you know, just because whatever, it's fine. I don't care. He's like, like, I don't care about any sorry. of this. Whatever. I thought you were the wicked witch, but can see now that you are not <laughs> all right both of you <laughs> cold showers for everyone uh no and then, but they don't do cold showers they instead do hot whiskey okay yeah. i loved this whole thing because first of all in what reality does robin robin of loxley not know what whiskey is uh well, so i just he knew that i was know like the, no i know he was playing this I is a know. play i know which that early what's this teach me about something but he's doing it to her instead i love this he's just like well it's not magical but it can cause you to have be brave or do some or things horny. you might regret or like just magically take your pants off like, oh but it's kind of bad in the morning <laughs> it's funny uh, yeah. and then he's like i will pour some into these glasses uh and i'm gonna pour way more liquid out of this bottle than exists i love the idea of them just getting drunk in the villain's house just, <laughs> just she's she's gone let's just drink all her booze and see where the day this, takes us this has this has like horror movie teenager energy like mm -hmm. we're supposed to be doing something else but like we're both super feeling each other and now we've completely forgotten what we're here for and we're just feeling sexy so let's get drunk like i love this uh it's immediately immediately tampered uh the, the the mood because again they, anywhere else they needed to put it anywhere else or reveal it in a different way but he hands her the whiskey in this in this nice cup like in his palm so that his uh his tattoo is revealed <laughs> Like there's no other way we could do this because he's handing it to her like like someone who's not of this planet. <laughs> yeah, no this this was this was not how humans do things, but alas, it's how Robin do things because we need to see that lion tattoo and re and we get the flashback. This is your soulmate, blah blah blah. And Regina, without a word, just pieces out. She just walks away. <laughs> I love the look on his face too because he was just like what. Like, nothing he could have done in that moment should have elicited this reaction. So he is genuinely, like, I. Th it, it, it's his own cold shower of just being like, I'm going to hand her this alcohol, and we're going to get turned. And why is she running? What happened? Hello? Where'd she go? I don't know how to get back. Like, <laughs> So, yeah. So she runs. And then. She does. Like, smash cut for our purposes to her, like staring at him wistfully in the woods while a chain smoker song is playing like this scene was weird to me but whatever yeah it was i mean you know robin is one thing you could say about him is you know he's he is go with the flow like he's not gonna hold a grudge he's got other things to do he's gonna spend time with the little boy who was wearing the cutest outfit oh my god this tiny child an adorable tiny child 
I was going to say I want one, but I have one. He's You've not that big one. yet. I yeah. do. But oh my God, Abby, he's like 25 pounds now. He's giant baby. Yeah, they do that. They do I've that. I've heard. And my back hurts all the time. Yeah, they do that. They get all big yeah. and jumpsters and then they start stretching out like little string beans. And then they look like little people and it freaks you out. And you're like, where did they, where'd my chubby giant baby go? What happened? Why does he have opinions? They're loud opinions too. What's happening? Right now he's just loud. He's just loud. Yeah, don't worry. The opinions come soon. <laughs> yeah, but so she's watching him play with his son in the woods because that's where the merry men live. Even though there are a bunch of seemingly empty houses in Storybrook where they could all go. I just, because, because of the way that they are. And yeah, you're right. They're not, they're all living in the woods. They've got a very like hippie commune situation of being like, mm-hmm. yes, there are homes, but we would la- rather live in our own homemade things out in the woods. It'll be fine. While Regina likes her mansion and her castle and her fineries. So there's so many tropes wrapped up into the evil queen being in love with uh, Robin of Locksley, where it's just like, ah, oh, very Hallmark Christmas movie. It's just like, ah, oh, mm. she is a woman of high society. He is a woodsman. Uh, he can chop down things with uh, arrows, and he is very manly and very burly, and he does not understand which fork is which. He only has one fork, if he uses a fork. And so it's that, like, trope. The evil queen and the pauper. Yeah, but I think she sees him, you know, engaging with his child and, you know, she has a hole in her heart because of the loss of Henry that he doesn't remember her. And so I'm sure it's stirring up a lot of feelings in her, not just in the loin area, but in her heart. Well, but stirs in the the loin and the heart, but stirs in the loins can can turn into more children. So it's all it makes sense. It does. Yeah, it does. And and that's where we leave it with them. Like, we've got confusing montage of Regina having feelings, and we're going to see where it goes from there. I love that this whole episode is just like a tragic story between with with Neil at the epicenter of it and, and Rumple and everything. It's terrible. But then just like two horny teenagers trying to just figure it out. Like. <laughs> And meanwhile, uh, we've got our crew trying to find Mr. Gold, who has escaped. And, um, you know, first thing they do is they they tell Belle, like, because some of them are going to go search and the others tell Belle what's going on. I hate this so Okay, much. this, I just have to say, Abby, I think this episode is the worst Belle has ever been. I, I, I I'm going to preface this and say that as a character... Belle is fine. I don't want to sound like I just hate Belle. But I'm going to because this episode, she just needed like a fainting couch to really wrap it all together because she just has the big glassy eyes for this. He's alive. I knew it. My rumple. I love him so much. And I, it's, she has nothing else happening. Like, the only other personality trait, which isn't even a personality trait, it's a hobby, is that they keep sending her off to research out of a book. Like, she, that takes time, but whatever. That's it. It's Rumple and research. The two R's in her life. That's all she's got. And and it's always research for Rumple. I, it, and, and I'm going to get into it more, especially when we get into the past, but I cannot deal at all with this version of Belle. I just, I just can't. 
I absolutely can't. Because also, does she not remember that Zelina came in and froze her? Or did Zelina take that memory? I have questions. Because Belle fully talked to her before she turned around and froze her. Yeah. Well, yeah. And they, they never explain that. But they don't need to because we don't need to care about Belle. The show does not care about her as a person. They care about her as a prop. She is there to to justify Rumpel's return and justify his existence in the show. Because in any other show, Rumpel sacrificing himself to to stop his father and save his son should have been the end of his story. But as I've seen in lots of reviews around that time, Rumpel was like one of the driving forces of the show. So they couldn't do that. So they had to bring him back. It's also Robert Carlyle. If he wants to come back, you're going to let him be back for as long as he wants. So they have to do like this whole rigmarole of trying to backfill everything about Rumpel and who he is and try and justify bringing him back. He's different now. He's changed. He's sacrificed for the good of all. At one point, Belle and Neil are just walking in the woods and she's just like, isn't it great the way Rumpel sacrificed himself for all of us? Oh my God, isn't it amazing? And Neil's looking at her just like, "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh. No. She she straight up says to Neil at one point. I know we're not here, but I'm going to say it because I'm pissed no, off it's about fine. it. She this, at one point all, she's just like she's like I loved I loved Rumple with my whole heart, and he goes yeah, but there was like evil in there, and she's like I loved the dark parts too. No, you didn't. You hated that part. You tried to make him change. You kept trying to change who he was. You did not exist with him. You tried to fix him. So now he's gone and she's doing this very like, I think this, the the way that she was talking about how like he sacrificed himself. It was so wonderful. So brave. So wonderful. And then she talks about it later where she's like, no, he made this sacrifice. Let him have that. I wish that was the energy. The part where she's trying to talk Neil out of what he's about to do. I wish that would have centered. And when she finds out in the gift sh- or the gift shop, in the gift shop, in the when they come and say, "Hey, Rumple's back," I wish she would have been mad. I'm like, "Why is he back? He sacrificed himself. Someone brought him back against his will, and something's wrong." I wish that would have been her driving motivation, not just "I can't wait to see him." And then I hear some clamoring outside the door, so I'm going to sprint towards it. Cause it's Rumple. Rumple. I just wish. I just wish she would have been more. <sighs> She was kind of all over the place. She missed him, but then she didn't miss him, and she was very proud of him, but then she missed him again, and then she was proud of him. It's like, I wish they would have picked one, specifically the proud part, and just left it there, but no. No. She had to put her morning shorts on. So Neil has shown up, and so, you know, and they've been they've been talking about him every single episode. Neil's missing. He might be a monkey. We don't know. Because they were building up to this reveal in this episode. I do like most other things in the show. I wish they'd drawn this out more. I, I wish we'd gotten like one or two episodes with Neil and Gold sharing a body and like trying to make it work. And then ultimately it, it can't because it's unsustainable. Because like. They, the flashback says a year ago. So it stands to reason that Rumble was like this for 11 months. I, I like the idea. Brought back. 
Yeah, I like the idea that they would have threaded this a lot longer so that you would rewatch it and you would realize that you had never, at no point are Rumple and Neil ever in the same room and they can't meet each other. Like, it all has a very sixth sense kind of situation. You know what I mean? Like, it's just mm-hmm. like, you've been dead the whole time. Draw that out because it, it happened so fast. This was a longer storyline than they made it. And I think it would have landed a lot harder had they done that. Yeah, because it's it's legit cool. You know, special effects notwithstanding, because <laughs> that was rodent face. Ugh, like, yeah, no, where, <laughs> uh, Werewolf in London circa 2004. It's just really bad, guys. So as they are talking with Neil, taking him into the hospital... We've got a couple little small scenes. We've got Zelina showing up to Mary Margaret because Mary Margaret was sent home because they're like, you're pregnant. You can't track things. I I would have been pissed too. I don't like this at all. She wanted to help. Let her help. I, I love this scene with Snow and Zelina so much because Zelina is being so outwardly evil. She's handing her orange juice Again, why is everyone handing people drinks like a like a crazy person? Because she's just like, here, drink this. It'll help your baby move. That's legit. Drink a lot of sugar. It'll it'll stir your baby a little bit. Like, that's a legit thing. But she's doing it like she's poisoning her. She's like, drink it. Ah, drink. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because on the Wikipedia article, uh, it says the juice was spiked with a spell so Zelina can feel the baby growing. I don't believe that's true. Because orange juice does actually make the baby move. Like, it can it can trigger the baby. So I'm really hoping that that's not the case, that we don't find out in a future episode. No, she had spiked this unopened juice. Because, no, I everybody knows my feelings about putting spiking people's drinks in this show. I'm firmly against it. I Well, yeah, but she also, like, I love when she puts her hand on Snow's uh, belly, and then she looks up at her like... It's like, and then she says, even if Snow somehow doesn't notice evil face, like the weird Kubrick's face that she's making, she then says, there's no way you're having this baby without me. What a, what a, what a strange thing for your midwife to tell you. Of course she's not. You're supposed to be there for the birth. It's why she hired you. Why did you say it? And why did you say it in that tone? So here's a good question. Is Mary Margaret paying her? Because if Zelina's not accepting money, Mary Margaret should see that as really suspicious. I I I would love for there to just be and I know, I know we're not going to get it obviously, but just like a thing where like Mary Margaret realizes that she's just been like not paying people because she still never really learned to pay because people do that for her. Like she's not a snob, but she grew up in a different world. So she doesn't put money down. Someone puts down money behind her, but no one's been doing it and Granny secretly wants to kill her. Like Snow White hasn't paid <laughs> I mean, for a damn thing. As, she's in living as Mary Margaret. I mean, wouldn't even a midwife has to find, you know, has to get your insurance information? Like what what are the logistics again? Logistics, Storybrook logistics. Story the midwife needs to be certified. Have I, they exchanged insurance information? I, I, admitting oh, hospital. I'm sorry. I want to know what the story. What is the Storybrook public school insurance plan like? 
Like, like, just do they get there and like Whale looks at it and was like, "Oh, Blue Cross Bruce Shield." I mean, I guess like, uh, whatever. I wait, oh, does anybody like does everybody have insurance? Because where does the insurance come from? Where does that money go? What is it actually paying for? How do the economics work in this town? Again, we need to get back down to brass tacks. How does the city operate? <laughs> Well, we also do get a moment where Henry confronts Emma about the fact like that some some shit's going down. Um, and I, I, yeah, I like this too because the one downside of this storyline with Henry is it's starting to feel like it was introduced as an excuse to take him out of the show a bit, which it may very well be, be that case because he was in the middle of his awkward, you know, transition into young adulthood. So maybe they kind of wanted to give him a little bit of space for that. But like, I I almost feel like Henry being suspicious that Emma isn't being honest with him is also kind of reflecting of the show as well. Like the show isn't being honest about why it's kind of keeping Henry in the backseat. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, yeah, but who would have figured out Zelina was obviously the wrong, the person immediately Henry. And I think, mm. like, as much as we're mad about the characterization they do with Belle and stuff, they know enough that Henry would not sit still, and Henry would immediately suss out, you know, hey, there's a Wicked Witch of the West hanging around. Hey, there's a woman in a big black cloak with a giant pendant around her neck that is absolutely emerald green. Maybe it's that lady. Uh, like, Henry would have solved this immediately. You're just taking out, like, just short of putting him in a coma, they had to put him in, uh, on the sidelines. But maybe you're also right, because they also don't put him near people a lot. Mm-hmm. And when they do, they kind of perspective shift him. Because you can tell when he kind of snuggles up to Emma towards the end of the episode that he's the same size as she is. Because <laughs> he's, like, trying to, like, put his head on his shoulders, and he looks like a full-grown man. Yeah, it's just like, and and that's okay. It's like fine. I understand it, but it you know it does Henry a little bit dirty. And you know, given how the Peter Pan storyline focused so much on Henry, kind of going the exact opposite and taking him out a lot feels like it. Also feels like it could be just an overcorrection. Like everyone hated the Peter Pan storyline. What's the solution? Henry has to be gone. We want more adult sexy time. And then they move Henry aside, which, like, you know, isn't fair to him. It's not no, fair to Jared Gilmore. But, I mean, and that's also, like, a, a symptom of when your wildly successful first season includes a fresh-faced, big-cheeked, cutie kid who is now going, like, growing up. You have to correct, like, how do you how do you deal with that? Well, first we send him off to Neverland, and he doesn't look like he fits there quite Uh, Now we're going to put him here and we're not quite sure what to do with him either. So we're just going to let the adults do stuff while we send him off screen with other off screen characters. Um, I think for what it is, they do play it right because Henry wouldn't have put up with this. He has the same BS sensor that uh, Emma claims to have Mm -hmm. because he's like, no, none of this makes any sense. And he said it with Regina before. He's like, this doesn't make sense. Uh, Tell me actually what's happening. And that's when Emma gets the phone call of, like, she's thinking about telling him. And then she gets a phone call that was probably just like, Neil's here. She's like, oh, God. She hangs up the phone. She's like, listen, you're right. I am here for a case because of people that I know. I can't tell you now because it just got super weird. Uh, So I need to go 
now I'll talk to you about it later, and then abandons her son next to a lake. Just off into a sprint to go visit Neil. Yes, and then she shows up at the hospital, um, and they're trying to kind of figure out what's going on. Neil's got this scar on his hand that looks like a triangle. He doesn't have any memory. All he remembers is looking for his father. No, he do- he just remembers seeing Rumpel leave and then Emma leave. He doesn't remember oh, really? anything about he he remembers the curse happening. He doesn't remember the year before. Oh yeah, well, yeah, of course, yeah. So he he said because he says to Emma, I I remember seeing your yellow beetle drive away. Well, no, I meant like he when he found himself back in Storybrook looking for his father, but then like kind of blacked out. That's no. what I meant. Like I he doesn't know. remember the year, but he remember like. You know, he wasn't turned into a monkey is what I'm saying. Well, I guess that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So he's just kind of like, oh, and so they go off. They're all going to leave. I do like that. It's just like, well, we have to leave Neil here to make sure that he's safe because he's going to go look for Rumpel. So they leave Hook. And this is how you. Hook is just on babysitting duty this whole episode. Like, he even stays with Belle at one point. Like, he agrees to stay with Belle for research purposes. Like, he's like, I'll stay. And she's like, didn't you, like, try to kill me twice? He's like, I'm sorry. Can I stay now? <laughs> I apologize. Uh, but it, it's kind of like, I, and I won't say this because this is a big spoiler. I don't know if anybody's listening to this while they watch it. I don't know. Uh, but you, you should have known that it was Neil's fi- swan song here because of the hook that or the hook, of the hug that Hook gave him. It was just one of those, see you later. That was a goodbye hug. That was a theatrical, uh, the TV moment of like, this is Hook saying goodbye. He's like, you're a man, but there's still that little boy in there, that one that I cared for for all of six minutes, and we have that forever. And we were arguing (laughs) over a lady, please. They bro hug, and he lets Neil go. This scene was silly, and it was part of the goodbye, Neil. We are we are in the process of burying you over the course of this entire episode. But I did like how Hook was just like, "I'll give you ten minutes, and then I'm gonna say you vanished." Like, as as stupid and silly as their goodbye was, I did like that. That was kind of how they ended things, where where Neil had something he wanted to do, and Hook respected his wishes. Like, and that that's a bro code. That's yeah. the bro code right there. And then we get the uh, the the Emma version of this because Emma spots him. <laughs> Emma, so Emma's in the woods and they find with Charming and they find Rumple who is mm-hmm. having a breakdown because there's vo- the voices, the voices. There's too many voices. There's too many voices in my head. And he's losing his mind. And then a monkey shows up. And then Charming has a sword fight with a monkey. Well, not a sword fight. He has a sword and then the monkey's trying to attack him. Like, he's just trying to fight a monkey with a sword. He's like, run! Because Rumple makes a run, like, just absolutely sprints. Like, just like, ah, I gotta go! And so Emma takes <laughs> off after him, but loses him while, and then Charming's back there with the monkey. Do we ever see follow-up of the monkey fight? No. Damn. <laughs> but to be perfectly honest, like, Charming... Jo- this was a moment where Josh Dallas looked like he was fighting nothing. Oh, like, yeah. You know, you, it's always that they're fighting nothing because it's CGI, of course. But this looked like they gave Charming very little direction and he was just literally fighting the air. I I, I wish they would 
They make a joke about it, her and Neil, but I kind of just wish there would have just been like, these things are so terrible and ugly. And for Emma to be like, excuse me, I almost married a flying monkey. <laughs> Don't talk about them like that. Oh, speaking of which, like the scene between Neil and Emma, it's it just it, that broke my heart because I'm like, we could have had more of this. See, and, and this is a very specific line. So they're talking about. <sighs> So Emma's talking about Henry and what they had, and she kind of sheepishly mentions that she had somebody there. And he's like, I don't, that's fine. Like, you didn't remember me. I, that's not a big deal. And she's just like, yeah, but he turned out to be a flying monkey. And she was like, yeah, and I almost married a minion of Peter Pan. And like, who's my grandfather? I, I'm not, I don't have any place to make fun of you. The giant smile laughter that split across his face was the single cutest thing. Like, he I, he smiled a little bit before, but I think he was gen like the actor was genuinely smiling and laughing in that moment, and it was amazing. And it was the, it, again, it was the, this is their goodbye thing, and I, it was heart-wrenching, because I'm like, these two have so much chemistry together. I love this. Anyway. Yeah, this was, this felt like one of the most genuine interactions we've seen on the show because the show is so drama is so dramatic everything is so heightened for good reason it's it's a fairy tale come to life we don't often get real human moments that feel real or down to earth this was one of them yeah. it's one of the only ones i really can remember or recognize just the way that they they just laughed it off and kind of looked at each other a little bit it almost felt like an outtake in yeah. how how earnest it was. It felt like it felt like a part of the script that wasn't supposed to be shown to us because it was genuinely talking about the show like it was silly. Where she was like, "No, I loved being in New York. What did you do with Henry? We did what we were supposed to do. We got bagels. We did nothing sometimes. We just sat around. We watched movies. It was amazing." We weren't fighting the evil queen. We weren't fighting the Wicked Witch of the West. Like, a flying monkey didn't try to kill me earlier today. Or earlier in my life. You know, whatever. And so it's just one of those... It was simpler that way. And the reason Neil is up and moving is because he's trying to find Henry. Because he doesn't like the idea that Henry doesn't know who he is. He wants his son to know who he was. Which, heartbreakingly, that he... That doesn't come to fruition in this, which is the part that makes me the maddest. But well, anyway. Emma, Emma revives the he was a fireman. He I died. guess. He died in a fire helping but, people. But, you know, there's a part of me that's just like, he didn't get that moment before he went. And yeah. I think that would have been nice. Uh, I, I have a theory that that would have been an interesting way to break the curse uh, on Henry. Um, Just like a dad showing love to his son, like being really in love with the son, giving him like a good, like a kiss on the cheek or a forehead or something, just be like saying goodbye son. And Henry's brain clears up. Like, yeah, th th there's, this show's very much about mother child love. It's not often about father child love when not, it is, it can be a little bit possessive. Yeah. It's not in a, not in a real honest, not toxic way. Like it's one of those, you're yeah. seeking this validation and love. I would love there to be more of a, like, I'm honestly in media in general, it would be better to have like two like healthy relationships between a guy and his son because you mm -hmm. don't see that a lot anyway. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, 
they're just hanging out down there and uh and bell calls and says hey found a thing uh there's a key that has a triangle on it uh the only way to do it is a life for a life and that's when that's when uh the the neil reveal uh the neil reveal happens because he just immediately like grabs his kidney and hits the ground and he starts doing this weird um face shift thing that we will explain <laughs> further after we talk about the adventures that uh, Neil and Hot Pants Bell had in the Enchanted Forest. Why was Bell's Enchanted Forest outfit short shorts with semi-opaque tights that were didn't fit properly, so they looked partially see-through? Like, these were bad tights. It was like, the, why was it just like, I mean, I guess the there's only two options. One, the actress really wanted to wear shorts because she knows her legs look good. In which case, I'm like, she okay, does. girl, you do you. I Not mean, that's wrong. true. The other answer, sexism. Because they once they realized, hey, Belle's legs look good, let's show them off as much as possible. But to, like, counter that, we're going to put her in this big yellow thing, and then we're going to make her hair all poofy, and it was, like, big on top, but then, like, skinny legs and heels situation. It was a very confusing outfit. I made the joke to you over text was it looked like she was running late to her Rockettes audition because yes. she looked like she needed to be able to move her legs but not her arms. It almost <laughs> felt like she'd, like, stolen Gaston's coat. And then put it on over a jumper. Like, again, there's some such good costuming in the show sometimes, but this genuinely felt like Belle's dress was yellow. Let's give her a yellow jacket. Slam dunk. Slam dunk. We did it. And everyone high-fived and smoked cigars. We didn't even need this. Belle got a new outfit that was like a longer skirt with kind of like a pants thing underneath, similar to what Emma Watson wore in the Beauty and the Beast movie. We got that when Belle had her little, everyone had their little post returning to the Never, the Enchanted Forest makeover time. Why did Belle need a second makeover I, with listen, hot pants? Listen, the hot pants, all very lacy, to, you know, whatever. But Belle is, at her core, a very practical woman. She would have brought snow pants. They go to a place with snow, uh, actual legit snow, which I've realized now opens up so many questions for what they end up going to do for for season five. Because don't they go to a completely different realm for the heart of the dark, for the, like, the, the, the creation of the dark one? Oh yeah, no, no. This, uh, this, ha- this, ha- I have a lot of fun with. So let's let's get into it. Let's get so into Bell, it. So Bell and Neil, a year ago. So this is early on in the return. They want to, you know, Neil really wants to bring back Rumpelstiltskin because he thinks that Rumpel is the best way for him to get back to his family. I understand this logic. I have a lot of problems with what they end up doing with it. In that they like turn it into sins of the father kind of situation. Like you're just repeating his mistakes, almost like he deserves to die. Like I did not care for that, but they are searching for clues inside the castle. They're in the library. Um, and, uh, bell happens to light this one candelabra in the whole thing that just happens to be sitting there of all the times to light this candle. She lights this candle and, 
and 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 Lumiere shows up. <laughs> Abby, tell me your thoughts about this Lumiere. I'm I'm curious. So, so I get what they were trying to do because I imagine trying to animate a candelabra on a live action show like this would have been an actual nightmare and they blew the budget on the face shifting obviously <laughs> so they were like let's make him the flames so it's like three three candles that when lit becomes this big inferno flame of a face but they keep referring to him as the candle but he's not the candle he's the flames of the candle and he has this french accent that doesn't it didn't sit right. I don't know. It didn't seem right. No. And like, so I'm, I have his bio up and he, he is American, but he has dual American French citizenship and he's bilingual in both Italian and French. So he speaks fluent French. Okay. But they gave him the, like, he chose to do the worst French accent. Like he, ha- he, conceivably can do french accent because he speaks french okay okay so knowing that i'm gonna i'm gonna correct myself and i'm gonna say i'm gonna guess it was a note i'm gonna guess it was a studio note he sounds yeah he sounds too french make it less french make it easier to understand because he sounds very um it sounds very staccatoed if that makes sense where he just he speaks like this and it's trying to but it doesn't seem natural to him, and that would make sense. Like, if he can actually speak in a French accent, if you can speak French, I'm going to guess you can speak in a French accent. Uh, so that, that I'm going to guess that they either couldn't understand him and they made him redo, like, the way that it was, or he was overcorrecting. We keep talking about yeah, overcorrecting. Kind of, he might have been trying to also sound a bit like the actor who played him in Beauty and the Beast, because that guy was not French and didn't. Like and and had like he did like these very like big inflections like this big movement and I feel like maybe he was trying to do that or he was instructed to try and do that as well and he couldn't quite get there so like you said it ended up being very staccato well yeah because it also doesn't work if you're not doing the Lumiere like it worked in the cartoon because he was very he he moved a lot and he had a lot of action and things like that. Mm-hmm. When you're just a flame and you can't even really get to side profile because you never saw much more than about of a a 10 degree turn either way on his face, it doesn't work. Like it just it I I did not care for this at all. Yeah. I also didn't care for Bell not immediately throwing the BS flag on this. Oh yeah. There, yeah, because he says Rumble, Rumble still skin uh, trapped him as this candle. <laughs> Rumble still skin. I about did a spit take. I'm like, I'm gonna drink some tea, and then Beth's like, Ah, Rumble still skin. <laughs> oh, Rumble still skin. <laughs> you gotta. Um, do, he didn't do the 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 stereotypical French laugh at all. What is this? <laughs> trapped him as flame face for all eternity as punishment for some crime. And he's like, you must promise to free me, in which case I will help you. Um, and so he's like, go to this book. And then inside the book, they it's not a secret series of spells. It is instead a key that has a triangle on it. And it will open the vault where the first dark one was created. I call BS on this. I'm pretty sure this is fully retconned later. 
Oh, like 100%. In season five, season six, when they have Nimue and they have the whole stuff, this does not happen. In fact, I was looking at the AV Club review for, for Shits and Giggles, and I found um, a comment from it that I found was really funny. It said, um, it wasn't the vault of the dark one, it was the respawn point of the dark one. Fantastic. What if they so would have done it wrong and the, the boar would have showed up? Oh, amazing. Oh my god, yeah, because it's basically like... So they head to the snowy, the snow-capped mountains in their in their mini skirts, uh, to get this vault, and of course, this wasn't actually Rumple's doing. This was all Zelina's. Zelina planted the uh, the candelabra there. She's the one who cursed him. He's like, "I did what you asked. You must free me," and she's like, "No." <laughs> Sorry, I'm having so much fun with this accent. It's great. It just comes out of nowhere. I just love it so much. It makes me so happy, Beth. I love it. <laughs> it's just gonna be part. It's it's like ladies who brunch. Lumiere is just gonna. Lumiere is just going to show up. Oh, he would be amazing. He would he would have all of the tea. Oh my god, he'd have. He, he, yes, he'd be fire, as they say. Yeah. So yeah, so Zelina is is trying to get control of Rumple and figures this is the best way to do it. So they head to the location. Neil finds the circle metal plate in the snow with all the symbols on it. And Lumiere's like, you must do it very quickly. I've been spending over 200 years in this library and I'm sick of it. And this is the moment where Belle's like, oh, he's full of shit. Yeah. So again, she should have called BS on this very, very soon. Episode title, BS Flags Everywhere. Uh, because first of all, Belle, the reason she lit that candelabra is because she lights everything that she finds. Like she'll light every single candle. She would have, if he was actually living in that library, he'd have been lit a thousand times. End of story. And mm-hmm. she should have known that. But also he then points to something in the library that she didn't know existed. Yeah. I don't think, as someone who loves books and putting them on bookshelves and stuff, I know every square inch of it. Have I read everything? No. But I know where everything is, even if it's chaos. Belle would have known that place top to bottom, even if it had been abandoned for a while. And she would have opened or cracked all of the books. She, you know, like, it's not like... I, I, I just think it would have been weird for her to be like, I've never seen this book before. I've never seen this candelabra before. Well, this is all fine. Da, 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 da. Maybe... Maybe she was too busy thinking about the wedgie from her hot pants. Like, she just didn't <laughs> she just didn't understand. Because sometimes it's uncomfortable to wear shorts that short, guys. Because there should have yeah. been enough. But, yeah, that she f- she flags it because he says that I've been, in the- I've been in there for 200 years. And she's like, it's a lie. And that's when she... That's when she's just like, no, we shouldn't be doing this. That's yeah. when she starts, like... She's kind of a little resistant to it at first. She's just like, I guess... I guess, but then she like backs up. She's like, the candelabra that we just met is lying to us. I'm so upset. Neil, don't do this. Your father died a hero. He wouldn't want this. And Neil says, I don't care what the price is. And so he shoves the key into the slot and it burns him. And Rumple like starts coming up like tar. I I didn't like this. This did not feel like Neil. No. It did not feel like the timing was right. I feel like if instead of it saying a year ago, it would have been like three months ago. Yeah. So this is like, he's been, and they just have, they don't even need to show us, even though I always prefer showing over telling, but you just have a moment where Neil's like, I have been trying for 
seven, eight goddamn months to find a way back home. I am out of options. I know my father sacrificed himself, but I need to find a way to get home. This is the way to do it. Instead, it's like, I've been here for 10 minutes and I am sick of it and I need to get back home. Let's bring back my dad to hell with all the consequences. Apparently, I've learned no lessons from anything. I... I would have, I'm with you. I would have preferred that. I I genuinely think that they just screwed up by saying one year ago. Mm -hmm. Like they just like did it out of like normalcy because that's what they usually do. It's just like one year ago today. Like, because even the way that they show the markings on Neil's hand, it looks fresh. Like it looks like Mm -hmm. a fresh burn when he's in Storybrooke as if it had just happened. You know what I mean? Like, so I would have preferred, like this was like the thing that happened right before Zelina sent everybody back. Yeah, because it's unclear how long Rumple would be able to sustain that to keep him inside. Yeah, because like, it, it doesn't seems look like, like he's going great. No, it's destroying him. And so, like, he he does the thing. Rumple, yeah, he, he gets the oil back and he, he comes back to life and Neil is dying as a result. And then we get Zelina coming in and being like, ha ha ha, this is all part of my plan. Neil, you... You deserve this because you did you you repeated your father's mistakes. I I can forgive things. Zelina sh- trying to shame Neil and trying their the show is trying to create a comparison between what Rumpel did throughout his whole life and what Neil did in this one moment because the writers wanted him to. No. No. I hated this. Don't malign this- don't malign Neil straight to his face. How dare you? He's especially because he's about to die, guys. This is his death episode. And you decide to do that in his death episode? No, thank you. I also do like that they have they clearly must have had such a hard time lighting Zelina because I couldn't stop noticing it in this scene was she was very bright green and her lips were very bright, like this pink red color. It was like shining off of her teeth. Like, it didn't mm-hmm. look like the lipstick was on her teeth, but it looked like it was reflecting off her teeth. So her teeth had that thing. <laughs> it reminded me of, you know, did you ever have that thing when you went to the dentist as a kid that you had to chew the little red tablet to show where you missed where you were brushing? It kind of oh, seems like she chewed a bunch of that. those. Oh, I hated those. Um, it, it just You can tell that they're just struggling to light her when they have to be on those CG sets. Um, and it, here's my favorite part. Rumple was so indignant with Zelina. Because he, like, holds on to Neil, and he's got his knife. And she goes, you can't hold them both. Doesn't explain why, but sure. And then so he chooses Neil over his knife, which is a moment that gets dropped. That's a big moment. Like, I, that is him choosing his son over his power in Without even thinking. At no point does he even flick his eyes towards the dagger. He just drops it and, like, absorbs his son with osmosis. Yeah, like, we spend more time with, with far more time with Belle and Neil gloating in the woods and doing revisionist history over over Rumpel's past than we do about recognizing how far he's come. Yeah. Because Belle loves to tell us how much he's changed. This is a moment where we actually see how he's changed. But yeah, it just gets dumped out there and then abandoned. Like we're this this needed more weight to it. This would have been a fun place to diverge Bell and Rumple. Because could you imagine you've been spending your whole life trying to get this guy to stop being evil with you 
and he fights you every step of the way, but you see how much he can actually love another human being in his son and will choose his son over that dagger without e- without a second thought. No struggle, no fight, no anything. He will stand between his son and death and drop his power. As somebody trying to change him, that should piss her off. But again, we don't get that moment. No, uh, we do not. Especially because, as I recall, last season... He told her he gave her his dagger to to so that she could keep an eye on him, but it was a fake one. Yeah. So like he does nothing but lie and cheat on her. Uh not cheat on her, but cheat her. Um, I do like the line where like Rumpel's so indignant to Zelina being like, You didn't tell him the price. And she's like, Oops, my bad. Rumpel, honey, you never tell anyone the price. Ever. Yeah, rem- Don't be mad about this. She learned it from watching you. Yeah. Lo and be- like, lest we forget the story of um, a little boy named Geppetto, whose parents were turned into puppets. I- oh, no. It's the consequences of my own actions. I hate them. It's a it's a big spoonful of my own medicine. It's disgusting. Uh, so he absorbs. Well, anyway, so yeah, yeah, he so absorbs Neil. Grabs, she grabs the dar- the dagger and is like, "Now I control you, Dark One." Blah ha 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 ha. Go kill Bell, and, and then we get Lumiere being like, "Moment of moment of conscience," and she just uses some weird firepower, and then Bell just grabs the candle and just runs away, crying because Rupa is stairs. I can't take it with me. My my love is here, and he had and he had to absorb his son. Like this is a hysterical story. But then she's like running. I'm imagining her running, <clears throat> and Lumiere is still lit. Like run, run! You have to run even faster. <laughs> like she's coming. Here she comes. Oh, we must go. We must go. We must go. We my, must go. My powers cannot go forever. He's like, oh, don't run so fast. I'm about to blow out. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> my wax is on the floor. Oh, it's the snow. I, I apologize to everyone here with a French accent. We we just just Hey, it's not our fault. It's the show. The show did that. I know, but my French accent is also bad, so I'm just know that, but also know that I'm having fun. <laughs> I'm enjoying myself immensely. <laughs> we're being we are we are we are mocking a uh, we are mocking a wonderful a wonderful accent <sighs> from a wonderful culture, but we're having fun. Well, yeah, is it is it so like this? This sounds terrible. I'm gonna, so stop, bad I'm, I'm gonna stop digging. I'm gonna stop digging. I'm gonna stop digging. I apologize. I apologize. Oh, yes, so yes, we apologize. That anyway. So yes, so we discover the truth that Rumple has sheltered Neil inside of his body. The corpse of Neil is trying to get out. I did. I wasn't quite sure, certain why Rumple, when he had Neil in his body, was like freaking out all the time. Side note, also why before this episode, it took the form of him just being Rumple, where he's like, you know, the curse, you know, you do the thing, you do the thing. Like he's like, hee I'm Rumple. But in this episode, it's like, it's too much. I can't handle it. Like, I feel like they made changes when they want, like they wanted it to make more sense to the plot. But I also wonder why when it was Neil's body that he was totally normal. Yeah. Like, wouldn't Neil be like, it's too much, it's too much, I can't handle it? Like, why was it only <laughs> when he got the gallbladder that we noticed something was wrong with Neil? Yeah, like, I didn't under. Yeah, I had the same question. I'm like, oh, so, like, apparently Neil's got more fortitude than... 
Which maybe maybe that's just a you know a characterization. It's just one of those the threshold of pain for Neil versus Rumpel. Like Rumpel is uh who he is. He he's a coward, so he's just no tolerance for pain whatsoever. Even though he f- purposely hurt himself, so just any amount of just discomfort in his body because he's been in control and in charge for so long, he doesn't even know how to handle it. But like <laughs> Neil, Neil suffered. Neil's had it like has had his ups and downs. So he's just like, you know, I'm not feeling great, but it's probably just because of the curse. La, 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 la. (laughs) Just (laughs) continues, like, pushing through uh, until, like, the whatever's going on is just, like, rumples in his body and just like, no, you must be be awake and kicks him in the kidney. Ah! Ah, no! Well, well, Neil tells, Neil and Rumple, Neil slash Rumple tell Emma, there's only one thing that you can do. You have a magic. It's a good magic. Use it to make me die. Please. And Please then she's, you. And then she says, I've never done anything this big before. When like six episodes ago, she moved to the moon. <laughs> yeah, but she did it with help. This oh, I'm time sorry. it's just her You're on right. her own. You're right. Half of moving the moon is definitely not the same as separating two people i just i love the i just love it i've never done anything this big before you've done some pretty big shit man but okay don't don't doubt yourself emma don't have imposter syndrome you got it <laughs> you got this girl you got this uh kill yeah, you your have man to, yeah kill him he wants to die and she does she separates them okay so i don't know if this is a hot take or not i did not like neil's death speeches they did not it, feel right it, to me. It was not his fault. The writing was bad. It was also his position because, like, they had his head cranked. He was like, he was like and he's just like looking at it and he's just like, again, it's the, for whatever reason. Now, I will say this as someone who calls my grandfather Papa and my dad is Papa to my baby dragon. It is a word that is I'm used to saying in my mouth. It is a thing that I'm used to. Every time Neil says it, it's not as bad as when Geppetto says it. <laughs> or not Geppetto. Uh, when August says it. <laughs> Papa. But, but like, <laughs> it just, he's laying there and his head's all cranked and he's just like, and there's a Papa. And it's like, okay, I can't, I, it doesn't work. This whole little speech thing didn't really work for me. It didn't, it was sad, but it did not draw real emotion from me which is hard to do hard to get me through something without crying like that it's just the thing that annoys me about it is this is a a very good character that they've wasted and it feels like a death of a character they don't care about we it didn't feel like they cared enough to give him the goodbye that he deserved but they also have done him so bad. Like, they, after the, his reveal, like, he's around for a little while. It's great. He's very interesting and engaging. Then they start just coming up with reasons for him not to be around. They keep separating him. They keep isolating him. They keep putting him off on stories. And, I mean, I'm sure part of that was his schedule. But it just felt like they liked the hook ship better. So they were like, we don't care about this. 
So Neil was the last holdover of the season two messiness. Yes. And I think that's what it was. I think Mm. they just, whether they meant to or not, they just didn't. I mean, to be fair, it took me a second when he referenced that he almost married a minion of Peter Pan. It took me a second to realize what he was talking about. I was like, oh, that's right. Those two people. I forgot about them entirely. Um. So I think he was just the last holdover of a season that just didn't work. And I th- I, I think they had just decided that Emma and Hook were endgame. But they also could not control the fact that Neil and Emma had such a natural connection mm-hmm. that it was going to be like, and I, I just genuinely don't know if they just didn't see it or not because his death should have been a bigger deal. The violins should have shown up as he was dying, not three scenes later. Yeah. Like, it shouldn't like have been, The violins like, don't show up until they're all awkwardly standing in gold shot being like, meh, he's dead. And they also, like, linger on his body a lot when he was dead. And the actor, even though he's great and I love him, I don't know if it was because he didn't care or he didn't know the camera was on, but he was totally breathing, like, after he was dead a lot. <laughs> I wonder if he just he didn't just know. Like, like it was just breaths. like just just stay there for a test shot. Got it. <laughs> like, but yeah, no. This 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 whole like it didn't really work. I didn't feel it. I felt it later again. Like you said, like the when the violin showed up for for Emma telling Henry. Mm-hmm. But I also didn't. It didn't feel like Rumple watching his son die. The the child that has motivated him from the moment we saw him, like. That was his that was his core. That was what he's been doing this entire time is trying to get his son back. And, and it just kind of seemed like it wasn't what was happening. Yeah, and can I also just say Neil's reason for dying, Neil's reason he told Emma was you need to kill me. So Rumple can tell you who the who the witch is. He's right here. He's here. Rumple's here. Hey Rumple, quick! Who's the wicked witch? Save him. Sacrifice your put life him back for in. him. Yeah, put him back in. No, sacrifice yourself because you know what? I, I Rumple had his thing. This is the redemption. Congratulations, you did it. You had your moment. You killed Pan. Sad that this is over, but Neil deserves more of a shot. That. <laughs> That is the part, the the parental part of me, that at no point would I be staring at my child dying and not go, I would like to just, this is fine, when I have all of the magic in the universe to completely switch our fates. He 100% could have done that. Yeah. And, and no reality would a parent who spends centuries trying to find his child would just stand there and let him die in front of him. Not a, not a For chance. For something so arbitrary. Because, like, that would have been... At no point do either of them have the... the Like, they get sad. It's kind of sad. But neither of them have the moment of just, like, the inner rage of preparing to skin Zelina alive. You know what I mean? Like... Emma mm-hmm. kind of gets there with Henry. She has this kind of nice talk with him and she's just like, uh, yeah, I was here to save your dad, but I didn't. And Henry's just given no direction and he's just like on her shoulder, closing his eyes really tightly, which I thought was a weird thing for him to be doing. 
Uh, but she's, she's trying like, to make yeah. the tears start, and it yeah. didn't work. Uh, uh, and and he asks her, "Did you get the person that did it?" And she said, "No." And that was it. And she didn't like. There should have been a more ominous thing she should have said there. Like, did you get the person that did this to him? No. But when I do, it will be the last moments of the... You know, just even though your son, it's your son on your shoulder, you're going to say some weird, dark stuff if mm-hmm. needed to. Because she's still very raw in that emotion. to be like, hey, did you get the guy that killed my dad? No. But I will. I will. <laughs> I'm going to go right now. I came to tell you and leave you by the lake again. And I'm going to go absolutely uh, hog roast this person. Which is just hysterical to me. That she lasts till the end of the show. Spoiler, she lasts till the end of the show. They don't kill her. They don't anything. No, they don't. This is wild to me. I I just, I this lapsed in my brain of what a egregious thing has happened. And they just continue to let her live and have a redemption arc and become a spin instructor in Seattle. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, they tell Mary Margaret, hey, your midwife is the Wicked Witch of the West. <gasps> Shocked Pokey- Pikachu face. Yeah. Oh. And she, No, she's um, just in the bathroom. So they all go burst into the bathroom, but she escaped through the window like Rachel from Friends. A bathroom with two doors? This in a in a small loft apartment. Yeah, this was the 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 layout of this um studio loft is is shabby chic to the finest and to the point where I want it so much. But two rooms, uh, two two doors. That's weird. a lot. That's a lot to manage. Yeah. Of like, I gotta lock this mm-hmm. door and then this door. Like that's very stressful for me. Oh yeah, that's no, too much. Can't do it. Um and yeah, so now she so Zelina has taken gold. Back to his dungeon, we get the sad music of Neil dying to try and convey to us that the show is indeed sad, although we all know the truth. They're not sad because they're immediately like, I think like two episodes later, the description is like, Zelina's forcing Hook to kiss Emma or is going to kill Henry. Like there's a whole thing of like, Zelina literally forcing the ship on pain of death. It's I'm very excited for it. But we're moving very fast. This Neil thing is just, it's not even a bump in the road. It's a blip on our radar. It has the, um, it's the, it's the, the swing episodes that, uh, from like Boy Meets World that Tim and I often jo- joke about. Like there's an episode where like Sean joins a cult because Mr. Turner gets in a ma- really bad accident and like almost dies. And then like, like Corey's dad wants to like kill the cult leader. It's all very heavy and very intense. The next episode, they go, like, look at colleges and they're, like, looking at party schools and having just a crazy fun time. Like, it's like, what is this show and why is it happening? That's the same kind of vibe here where it's just like, Neil, Emma's love. First and true love. Hook, or in, uh, you know, Rumple, his son that he's been searching centuries for, dies. Stay tuned next week for when Zelina makes Emma and Hook kiss. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> Just, ah, okay. and my mood, my mood whiplash. So everybody, that was season three, episode 15, Quiet Minds. And Neil's gone, guys. Like, 
the the showrunners confirmed it at the time, like, because there were a lot of people who were like, oh, is it, you know, they were well used to the idea of death not being a final thing because we've seen it like 40,000 times on the show by now. But they were like, no, this is this is definitive. Neil's not coming back, although he does get to make a cameo later on. And that cameo broke my heart because it, when I saw him, I was like, miss you. I want you back on the show, but we don't get you anymore. I'm sad. They kill off so many hunky boys that should have had better storylines. I, like, let's just talk about Neil for a second. Let's talk about Neil. Let's do it. Let's talk about Neil. Let's talk about Neil. I liked Neil. I don't know if I've made this very clear enough. I really liked Neil. I loved his introduction in the beginning of season two. I like how they teased out his story. I loved the reveal when they were in New York. Then when they revealed that um, Neil was you know, Rumpel's son and Henry's father and just this whole thing coming together. And I thought he was a great part of the story because he added that realism that no one else had. Like he added that perspective, but I think that's part of the reason why they wanted to get rid of him. Yeah, I think that they, the realist part of them didn't want to continue doing it. They didn't want to continue having an anchor to the real world because Mm -hmm. it soon spins out of control and the only tie to the real world is from flashbacks. And so Neil and Emma having two heads square on their shoulders with a a real upbringing in, you know, the actual world without magic is just a dynamic that they weren't prepared to deal with. Um, And that's, I genuinely think that they weren't prepared for Neil to be as big of a character as he was. And they they stretched him out as long as they could or felt comfortable with, but they didn't want to keep him going. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I I think that there would have been, and and again, I when I first watched the show, I was always very on on board with the whole Hook and Emma situation, uh, because you know it's just boys and eyeliner. You can't I can't say no. And so I was like, this is it. This is what this is what I want. I want Hook and Emma. So Neil was kind of just like there. Like I didn't dislike him. I didn't have a feeling like rewatching this, I've I've connected a lot more with Neil and I'm seeing a lot of the missed opportunity that could have happened. Or that could have been. Even if they would have kept him and kept the hook storyline, because I could see a like cool co-parenting situation where it's like Emma and Neil, they love each other, but not like romantically. They're just mm-hmm. cool partners in crime or they're just two people that like complete each other on a platonic way, but she can still like be romantically involved with the pirate King. Um, so the rewatch has really turned me around on Neil. I'll give you that as an, yeah. as a te- like extra perspective of rewatching the show. Like what? Seven years later. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like Neil. I'm still very team Emma and hook. Uh, it's still my ship, man. I'll hold on to it with my bare hands. Like, as as much as I did like Neil, and I really liked him when he was first on, I thought he was really cute, and I thought he was really great. You know, as a person who understands how writing works and how, you know, good television works, and you have a show like this, a fantasy show, and I'm like, you have two options. You have the pragmatic high school boyfriend with a a troubled past that we've long since resolved 
or you have the hunky fantasy anime pirate boyfriend. Like, logistically, I know where you're going to go and I get it. We're right. not going to stick with the high school boyfriend, even though the two actors have great chemistry. We're going to go with the anime boy. We're going with the Hades boy. We're going, not Hades, literally. Just whoa, like, I whoa, like, whoa, I meant like, whoa. I meant like hunky Hades from the video game. Okay. Like, we're, we're going with, we're going with the anime boyfriend. We're going with the fantasy. Because that's what the show is. It's a fantasy. So, I... I miss Neil and I don't like that he's gone. I really hate the way that they they took him out of the show. But I get it and it makes sense. And as far as what they want to do with the show, putting Hook and Emma together and giving them a love story makes more sense. Agreed. But we will now put... And what is the actor who plays Neil's name? Uh, let me pull him up real okay, quick. Okay, while you do that, I'll I'll start my mm-hmm. my list of hunky boys that were that that should have stuck around because they were amazing characters. Starting with Jamie Dornan, uh, the mm-hmm. Huntsman. We needed to keep him around. Um, obviously, our old standby, Sam Witwer. Uh, Hyde needs to needed more. That was. I'm very excited to revisit Hyde. Uh, and the, the the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde situation. I know. So Sam Witwer, <laughs> Jamie Dornan, and. Do you have his name? Um, his name is Michael Raymond James. Okay, Michael Raymond James. That is the trifecta of hunky boys that uh, had wonderful characters that are gone too soon. Play the Sarah and McLachlan Once tape. Upon a Time was by far his biggest, longest role. Oh. Uh, one of his more notable ones, as you've talked about before, was when he was on True Blood for 15 episodes. He's a bad guy. Um, and he was also in Black Snake Moan. The 2006 movie, which was Wait, bad. Was Don't that the one where it. they had Christina Ricci chained to a radiator? Yup. Mo- okay. Ah, yep. yes. <laughs> ah, that old standby. <laughs> um, and he was also on a show called Terriers in 2001, 2010. That lasted 10 episodes, and I have no idea what it is. But anyway, Michael, thank you for your time on Once Upon a Time. I'm sure you are listening to this. Roll the memorial. He's listening to this rap. By. He's just like, this is amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> I love I love the idea of anyone listening to like any of these. Um, there's a there's a it's off topic, but there was a girl on like TikTok who made some like Stanley Tucci joke, and someone sent it to him, and now there's articles about him having seen this TikTok, and the idea that anyone would know of the weird chaotic things we do or talk about <laughs> horrifies me. <laughs> the only thing I'd want them to know is Dark One Boar. Maybe the spider, if someone can remember it. And Lumiere. Lumiere. Although wasn't Sam Witwer made tangentially known about our enjoyment of his character? I, I mentioned it when I interviewed him, yes. You know what? That's all we can ask. <laughs> if we do nothing else with this podcast, that can be. That's just, that'll, well, that will be our legacy. Uh, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this latest episode of Once Upon a Timing, a special extra length episode because we tend to do that when we have things to complain about. We want to thank all of our patrons for your wonderful love and support, especially our Snow Queen level patrons. Our Snow Queen level patron shout out of the week is going to Lindsay Alice Halleck. Thank you, Lindsay, for your support and to all of our patrons. If you want to become a patron, you head to patreon.com slash OUA timing. You can subscribe to us 
on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash OUA Timing. You can find us on Twitter. I am at Beth Elderkin. I am at just underscore Abby. And we will be back next week with season three, episode 16. It's not easy being green. It may not be easy, but it's a hell of a lot of fun. (laughs) Thank you so much, everyone. And Abby, we will see you next week. See you next week, Beth. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Dan, so glad we were able to meet today. Thanks for coming over. Whoa, what's that? Pretty awesome, right? It's my new FlexiSpot E7 Pro Plus standing desk. Goes from sitting to standing with the push of a button. You know, I've been thinking about getting a desk like that. I have back pain from being in a chair all day. But I feel like they're either cheap and flimsy or crazy expensive. That's why I went with FlexiSpot. This desk is super sturdy but totally affordable. The base is made of automotive-grade carbon steel. Sit on it. Okay. Hey, this is cool. All right, I want in on one of these. Where do I find FlexiSpot? Just go to their website, FlexiSpot.com. And go right now because they're giving an extra $80 off their already low prices. Go to FlexiSpot.com and use code 80OFF to get an extra $80 off the E7 Pro Plus standing desk. Backed by an industry-leading 15-year warranty. Don't wait. This special offer will not last long. Go to FlexiSpot.com and use code 80OFF. That's F-L-E-X-I-S-P-O-T.com. Go to FlexiSpot.com now.